What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast, you guys. Today is going to be, uh, we're going to press the envelope a little bit, if you will. Um, I, this is kind of an episode that I've wanted to do for some time now, but just kind of have, I don't even know, but maybe even, even just like a little bit nervous myself to dive all the way into. So we have a sex therapist on today. If you've got kids in the car, um, it doesn't get, actually, it's not I still wouldn't listen if there are kids in the car, but um, it's not very like X-rated or anything like that. But we're going to talk about intimacy. Um, and we've got Dr. Christy on today over street, and she is going to talk to us all about, she is a licensed sex therapist. And so, yes, you guessed it. We are going to talk about sex, baby, um, which is just, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's definitely an episode we've not done before. And like I said, one that I've kind of been interested in diving into. I think that there is still so much taboo around being intimate. And it's a thing that we don't really talk about uh, very openly all the time. Um, And I think we also have a lot of conversations with ourselves and with our partners and with our friends about what's quote unquote normal and what's quote unquote not normal. Um, And so we're going to little dive into all of it uh, a little bit today and I'm very excited for it. So without further ado, let's jump all the way into this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am your host, Victoria Brown, and I am excited and a little bit nervous to have Dr. Christie on today. She is at Christie, K-R-I-S-T-I-E underscore overstreet on Instagram. And today, I feel like people make this joke every single time, but <laughs> let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. Yes, right. Do people say that every single time? <laughs> it's pretty common, but I love it, so... Okay. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. So yes, we are going to talk about being intimate today. And you are the self-proclaimed Southern sex therapist, which I love that you throw that in the mix. Um, So you're a sex expert. um, Sexpert? Do people say that? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. Okay, great. Um, So you're a clinical sexologist, certified sex therapist, psychotherapist, author, speaker, podcast host yourself, and your goal is to help your patients feel empowered in their relationships um, and redefining intimacy through a fix-yourself-first approach, which I absolutely love. Um, And I feel like it feels like a really good place to kind of kick this thing off. Um, What is a fix-yourself-first approach? Well, it's when we say, hey, if we want to see a change in our relationship, whether it's a partner, a family member, or a friend, we no longer will sit around and wait for them to change because it's not going to happen. The only time that we're going to see the changes in our relationships, if we make the change to be our healthiest self, then it just kind of flows on those around us. And when we then start seeing other people make changes, or we may have to change the whole dynamic of the relationship. So it really releases us from waiting as well as empowering ourselves to see that we make a direct difference in those relationships by changing ourselves, which is a good thing, not a bad thing when we focus on fixing those things. I love that. I think 
you know, not even just in an intimate way or, you know, a, a sexual way whatsoever. I think that is, has been a principle. I feel like I've kind of adapted a long time ago towards a lot of my relationships, meaning like I'm going to decide how I'm going to show up to the relationship and how I show up to a relationship does not hinge upon how somebody else shows up or what they do, you know, because sometimes also, or most of the time, I'd say people love others or show up in relationships in a friendship capacity, even in the ways that they know how. And so if they are not as advanced as you or as emotionally evolved as you might be, then, you know, you have, it's better to come to the table with what you know how to do instead of letting them make the first step in terms of how you're going to show up, right? Absolutely. Because if not, other people are a moving target. They don't mean to be, but if we chase how other people want us to be, talk, behave, show up, we're not being authentic with ourselves and we're left feeling very unfulfilled and a lot of times resentful. So I love that you've adapted that so long ago and it helps people just really be their best selves. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I want to talk about you. I want to talk about like what made you want to work in this space and what led you to, you know, your field of work. Well, I, this was not the plan. Like, I can't tell you enough how this was not supposed to be what I was going to be doing well, in my life. I can't imagine yeah, you're in third grade. Like, this is what I'm yeah. going to be when I grow up. Yeah. So how did you end up here? Well, so much of it is attributed back to how I actually grew up, which was in a very small farm and conservative town in South Georgia where you did not talk about sex. You definitely didn't have it. You definitely were not talking about it. And there's all this taboo and shame around our bodies, ourselves, even just using our own voice. And it wasn't meant to be that way. It's just how it was. And so I went through my own transition of, you know, going into the field of science, going into medical school, having my own professional failure through that process, and then having to really pivot my life. I'm condensing that story, but I really had a big crisis identity with what I was supposed to do and had this failure and sense of failure and had to pivot. And when I went back home, restarted, said, what am I? I'm supposed to serve people and show up and help and because I have a servant heart. And I thought it was supposed to be in medicine. And once I had that failure experience, I said, I have got to do something different. Became a therapist just by happenstance, met someone who was a therapist, didn't even know about therapy. And thought, wait a minute, this is my calling. This is just something clicking in me of what I was supposed to do. So went down the therapist road. And what I noticed was so many people were struggling to talk about sex, experiences, the issues in relationships, your own sexual identity, gender identity, really your sexual self. I definitely, I felt pretty comfortable with it myself with my girlfriends. But then when it comes to working on it in my own relationships and in therapy, I was like, I've got to get some specialized training and then found out, oh my gosh, I can specialize in this. I can get a doctorate in this. And I found that if I don't do this, I'm not going to be able to really help in the way that the universe is leading me to help in. So with that being said, I realized that I had to go and capture this specialty. And here I am all the years later, working in the most incredible job and field. And I can't believe this is what I get to do every day. Wow. Would you say that, you know, in the small town that you grew up where you said people weren't talking about sex, they might not even have been having it as much as they definitely probably should have. But uh, would you say that once you kind of just 
got all of this information that even though people were kind of behind closed doors, you know, do people come to you and, and try to ask you all these questions once, you know, you kind of opened up that box whenever you would go back home? Oh, yeah. It's funny. I just I had a family wedding this past weekend down in Savannah, and I had a couple of um, adults in my life in my town that came up like, oh, I, I read your book or oh, I'm listening to your podcast or oh, tell me, I know your ideal intimacy methods opening up. Can you let me know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this was a teacher or this was someone who used to babysit me. So it's kind of wild to see people come back and they're whispering about it. And I'm almost feeling embarrassed. Well, let's be real. Not almost. I was embarrassed. Like, oh my gosh, like it's such a I have my own shame that comes up at times where I don't openly broadcast. This is what I do. People know it's what I do, but the fear of what people are going to think, what it's going to say about my family, is there going to be some type of perception about me, even though I work hard to work through that. And I do this every day. It still comes up naturally for me. So it's interesting how it still just, it comes up even after all these years. Wow. I, yeah, I believe that. I just, I think it's still, it's crazy to think that we're in 2022 and yet it's still a taboo topic in so many ways. And uh, just kind of being open and honest about, you know, your experiences um, or what your, or your lack of experience as well um, is something that can kind of just be really, really taboo. So what's the difference between sex and intimacy? Well, the way I see it is sex is any type of physical act. Now, there's all kinds of different ways we can have physical sexual acts. And then I see intimacy as connection. So we know there's 12 types of intimacy and physical intimacy and sex being one of the kind is only one aspect of the ways that we can connect. And it's that powerful connection, aka that intimacy that helps us feel closer in our relationships. And it's not just the physical intimacy, right? It's the emotional intimacy, the communication intimacy, the recreational intimacy, which is really, really important, right? All these different ways that we connect with the person that we care about. And the physical intimacy is only one aspect of that. And that actually gets better as we improve other areas of intimacy. And I think one of the areas that we neglect a lot of times with we kind of interchange this word sex and intimacy, it's really important that we separate those because we have this expectation of what sex is supposed to be, whereas we may be thinking it's one way or we want it one thing and our partner might be thinking something totally different. Let's say we just want to emotionally connect and we go to hug our partner, our partner starts getting handsy and they start like rubbing our butts. So we're like, oh, no, no, I just wanted to hold you. I just wanted to physically connect. I didn't want it to go anywhere else, maybe. And that's why it's so important, this type of definitions that we talk about those here, but then also in our relationships, get really clear on what we mean um, when we ask for our needs to be met. How do you know, though? Like, I mean, it's how do you... How do you, I guess, please a partner when sometimes, we, like we have different moods all the time. So if you're in a mood where you just wanted to just hug and, you know, show intimacy in that way of just holding your partner, um, and then other times when it goes more physical, how, you know, but, but one person could want the same thing on different days. So how is it, how does your partner read that and know when you just want to be held and when you want it to go to something more physical so that you can be there for your partner? Well, it's a great question because what we have to do is use our voice and communicate that. And it might not sound super sexy, but it is incredibly sexy when you can say, yeah, actually I'm down for this, but not down for that right now. And then having a partner that says, 
okay, I hear you. It would be nice, but I respect that. That's cool. You know, we'll catch up later on this. So it's you not being afraid and not feeling guilty for saying maybe no. Can we try something else? Or, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. Or, hey, I really want to do that or this. That's where the confidence in ourselves as well as the confidence in the relationship are important. So let's go back, Victoria, to what you said a couple moments ago about the intimacy. We have intimacy, which is the connection, and we have trust, which is the trust that we're going to be protected and emotionally safe. They're in tandem. So in a relationship, we have to think about trust going up and down on any given day, depending on how we feel, how our partner feels, how we act, how they act. It fluctuates. Trust isn't an all or nothing thing. So what happens is if trust goes down a little bit in that relationship because they said something and said, yeah, I'm not in the mood right now, the intimacy and connection can go down if you're not understanding one another. But then if you're like, hey, no, I love you. I care about you. I want to do this, but I am not in a headache. We'll catch up another time. Your trust in them goes up because they're going to catch up another time. Therefore, your intimacy goes up. So it's in tandem. So the more we talk about what we want, what we don't, what we need, what we don't need, and hold space for our partner to do the same and not take it personal if it's not exactly what we want, then we're going to have a better connection. And then you learn to trust one another that you are going to take care of one another's needs. It might not be on your timeline. And it doesn't mean there's going to be a long gap of time in between, but you do come back together. That's that delicate dance that we're all wanting to strive for and keep in that relationship is that vulnerability, the intimacy and the trust all connected. Right. I mean, it seems almost silly, but it's, um, it's very similar. I, it seems like in building trust in a friendship, even if you're, you know, if you're, if right now is not a good time for you when they're catching you, but you say, I'll, you know, like you said, I'll, I'll catch you later, you know, in whatever terms feel good for you. But like, you got to follow through with your word, right? You got to, you know, follow through and friendships. Like we build better friendships and we have more trusting relationships when we do what we say we're going to do and say what we mean and mean what we say. Yeah, absolutely. That intimacy is also, like you said, in those friendships, it's our actions, not our words, right? If we're going to put it out there, it's our responsibility to follow up. It's not my partner or my friend's responsibility to follow up. So, Hey, you said you were going to call me showing up as an equal in that dynamic, it's my responsibility to do that and not push blame and do the tit for tatness that happens sometimes when conflict arises. Yeah. Now, what about in a scenario in a relationship where, you know, let's say, you know, it's hormones and it's libido and it's this and it's that. And there's so much that's working behind the scenes in terms of the human body on, you know, from a male perspective and a female perspective. So, where do you meet your partner and how do you meet your partner when one of you wants it way more often than the other person? And then there's some shame involved in, let's say, the person who doesn't want it as much maybe thinks like, well, what's wrong with me? Why don't I want it as much? Or, you know, of course, I love my partner, but like, I just, I don't, can't explain why I don't want it as much. Or um, then the other person wanting it, you know, you, I think you understand the question I'm asking. Just when your your wants don't match all the time. It is so common. And like you said, there's so many factors that are the play in the background. And what I find is we're really quick to blame ourselves. Why don't I want it as much? My partner loves me, cares about me, wants to take care of me and nurture me, but I'm not wanting it. I'm not having the desire. So of course, what we want to start with is, is there any type of physiological factors going on? 
Have you gone to your doctor? Have you had hormones checked? Have you seen if there's any other medical issues going on? Are there any medication side effects? What's happening with your body? Are you going through any type of um, developmental changes or body changes? So you want to look at the physiological first to rule that out. And if the doctor's like, hey, everything's in check, everything's okay on this end, it might be more of, let's just say a psychological or other factors going on. And if the relationship's healthy, kind of we've moved that out of the way that there's not conflict there. A lot of times it's a lot of uh, individuals put a lot of pressure on themselves. I need to perform. I need to show up. Um, as well as we have our own past experiences, past trauma, past super unhealthy relationships where maybe we were told negative things about our body, about how we showed up in sex, or maybe how we didn't show up in sex. And we have to look at the messaging. I've got this template in here about how I grew up. Was I told that sex is shameful if you're not married in this heteronormative stance or that if you sleep around that you're considered, you know, this negative person, that something's wrong with you or that you um, this says something about you or that you have to have a certain type of relationship dynamic or there's something wrong with you. So there's all these internal messages that are external messages that have made this template, our sexual template, and then our experience add to that to where it's our thoughts and beliefs are negative it's telling ourselves that there's something wrong with us. So all that adds to this kind of inner critic about our sexual self, which leads to really negative sexual self-esteem. So that's enough to make anybody want to shut down, right? So you want to check out too, what are my thoughts and beliefs? Am I, how, do I have a negative, uh, a negative critic about my sexual self? And the other part is, do I even know what feels good to me? Is there a part of me that like, I don't really have a desire libido because I've not taken that time? Maybe I wanted to and not had the luxury yet, or maybe I have and something's just not clicking. So what am I doing? Am I exploring? Do I want to try a toy? Do I want to read some erotica? Do I want to watch something that turns me on? Because we also have different types of desires. And especially as women, like we like the storytelling. We like the experience. We like the visualization we are, you know, we're not microwaves, we're ovens that we need some preheating, right? And our mind needs to get into it. And our minds are so busy. So it's really giving ourselves that time to explore what we might like, and just as importantly, what we don't like, knowing what our turnoffs are. So if you hear me saying all this stuff, you're not hearing me really point the finger at the other partner, right? Even though they may be adding to that inner critic enough, this is where we go inside and say, I'm not needing to fix because I'm broken. I'm needing to fix because I need my healthiest self. And our sexual selves is one of those aspects. So I want you know people to know that you really empower yourself by knowing what turns you on and what turns you off. You're not doing it for them. Even if you're not interested in it, you're doing it for you and your long-term growth. Right. I mean, it's probably... I would imagine like what sparks and what fires in the brain is actually probably quite similar to... Um, you know, just having a workout, going to work out, like you don't want to do it. A lot of times you don't want to go to the gym. You don't want to do a workout, but what happens inevitably most of the time is, you know, your endorphin after the workout, your endorphins are going wild. You feel just better. Um, and I guess I suppose that only, you only feel better maybe after if it works. Um, but I mean, I have to imagine it's quite similar. Sometimes you maybe aren't in the mood or don't want to do it, but, um, you just feel better after. Is that true or not? Yeah, absolutely. I have personally, yes, as well as clients I work with. It's kind of those things, like you said, if I just put the shoes on and go for the walk, if I just want to get a walk in or work, I'll feel better. But it's the act of putting on the shoes and telling everybody else you got to wait. Same thing when it comes to sex, whether it's a solo session or a partnered session. It's a 
you know what? I'm not expecting to hit those numbers on the microwave and to get there because that's not how I work, not how my body works. But if I can take a little bit of time, have a little imagination, have a bit of foreplay, have a bit of time of just turning the brain down for just a little bit, getting in my body, my body's going to catch up because I'm going to be able to hopefully say or show what feels good and to be able to talk about that, which is a whole other thing for many couples. Uh, but your body will catch up with those turn-ons as you're able to relax into that. And that can be one of the biggest uh, stresses there are, right? Connecting with that body and mind. Yeah, connecting with the body and the mind. So maybe another question I'm willing to bet. One of I want to know what the most common questions you get are, but I feel like one of them is, okay, I'm in a serious, committed relationship. What is a normal amount of times per week that you should be intimate with your partner? Absolutely. Most asked question there he is. I, I knew it. <laughs> You're like, I know this is the question. So yeah, we're, we're wondering that because uh, especially us that are kind of go-getters and goal setters, we kind of want to know, am I on track? Am I not on track? And then if my partner's like, hey, we're not doing it enough, I want to be able to like spit some stats out of what's common, right? So there's reasons we do that, but we're really trying to assess like, am I hitting the peak or am I not? And what I have found are most long-term relationships, depending on the health of the couple, are typically having sex once a week. Now, some type of, now when I say sex, remember, we're talking about this big buffet. So I want us to think about a sexual buffet. <laughs> oh, we're bringing it back. Yes. We are saying post-COVID buffets are back when it comes to sex. In the sense of when we go to a buffet, we may have a certain mood where I'm like, oh, I want a little bit of this. Oh, I am not touching that. Or let me eat this first plate. And then if I want to go back and have a little bit of more of that, I will. Or I can't even touch that today. Same thing when it comes to our, our sexual self. We want a buffet of options. So whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship, is there something you can choose from? Maybe it's position, maybe it's a place in the house, maybe it's a toy, maybe it's an experience, maybe it's a kink. Maybe there's things out there that you want to try and do that is consensual for both of you that you can keep it spicy and keep it alive. And it might be, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not down right now to to have sex, penetrative sex with you. But yeah, how about a blowjob? How does that sound right now? Let's change out this. Or, hey, you know what? I'm good. Let's just get this done. But I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. And then we're going to have time for maybe a longer session this weekend when I'm relaxed. We're we're not negotiating, right? We're collaborating as a couple because in a coupled relationship, you want to talk things out. And then, like you say, say and do what you say you're going to do. If you're solo, there's a little less pressure. You can kind of pick for that buffet however you want, or if it's like hooking up and dating, you kind of got a little bit more flexibility, but in a committed relationship, you need a sexual buffet to help you stay involved. Remember, we're not doing it for anybody else. We're doing it for ourselves. And that might look different right now than it looks next year. Your sexual buffet might look totally different than it did six months ago. So we can't beat ourselves up either because stuff's constantly coming out on the buffet. We're deciding, do I want a little bit of that or do I want to leave the rest? All right. <laughs> I am like getting like a little hot. I feel yes. like I'm just like, oh my gosh, I feel like I, I guess I'm like, I don't know if I have shame even that I'm working through. I don't know because I'm like, I'm a little uncomfortable even having the conversation, which is so crazy, which is why I feel like I want to keep having it. Um, but yeah, sexual buffet just cracks me up. I'm cracking up over that. Um, okay. So this feels like a strange, weird question for me to ask, but it feels like if you're in a committed relationship that it's unnecessary to do the solo thing. 
if you're committed and happy, but are you, it seems like you said it a couple of times, like, is it, it's necessary? Like you should be doing that. Not should. I hate that. I don't like the word should. <laughs> yeah. Let's remove should and just say, Hey, it's an option on the buffet. It's an option on the buffet before relationship, during a relationship, after a relationship, if it ends. So to think about we're our own autonomous being. So it's really our responsibility to know what feels good and not. And that all starts with our own exploration of ourself and touch and feeling because Let's face it, a soloed masturbation session is going to be a little less stressful than a partnered session because you're not going to worry about anybody but yourself. Now, if there's shame, trauma, um, maybe a lack of confidence in that, which is totally understandable, it might be a little harder to connect with yourself. So I, I get that. But I do think we should have soloed masturbation as well as mutual masturbation on that buffet as options. So again, something you can pick from so that you don't feel like, oh my gosh, she has to look this way every time. And if I can't show up, air quotes, and perform, then we're not happy or satisfied. And that's too much pressure. What happens with especially long-term relationships is we make sex so heavy and complicated and we tie in all these meanings to it that it's no surprise that it causes a lot of problems in our relationship. And most of the time when there's issues in sex relationships, it's really not even about sex. It's about intimacy and the connection, right? And the trust issues that come up around that. That's why it's so important that we take that focus on what do I need to do as that individual to show up as my healthiest 50%. And my hope is that my partner's doing the same thing. Now, when it comes to communicating about masturbation, I know different people have different thoughts about that. Some are okay with it. Some are not okay. Some people feel like they're choosing me over them. Other people are like, hey, go blow off steam. It's one less thing I have to participate in right now. Love you. I'll catch you later. So whatever feels most relevant for you, I can't tell anyone what they need to be doing. This is up to them and what feels congruent with their sexual self. But please know it is a great option on the buffet if you choose to choose it. If you choose to choose it. So... Another question that I have is, I think there's just so many different ideas, right? Everybody has their own kind of like upbringing and things that led them to why they are the way that they are. And so I'm very fortunate to not be in this position anymore. Thanks, sweet baby Jesus. Um, But I want to ask this question for a previous relationship I was in, and I want to ask it for anybody else out there who is listening. If your partner is literally never getting the job done, literally ever, <laughs> like, does it mean you should just break up with that person? Like in my situation, like the relationship itself actually was super unhealthy and the sex wasn't great. So like, yes, I really should have just broken up with this person. Um, but I just wonder that, like, is there always a disconnect in that way? Like, does it always filter into the intimacy? And does it mean that it's probably just not a good relationship slash what if you accidentally end up marrying someone? Uh, you know, there's people out there who are probably in very intimate relationships with people that they've been with for 10 plus years, my God, and they're not getting that satisfaction from their partner. And I feel like the answer you'll give is like communication, communication. But in this previous relationship that I was in, like, I feel like I communicated until I was like blue in the face and nothing ever changed. So what do they, what do those people do? Yeah. And there's so many people in relationships out there like that. So please know you are not alone folks out there hearing this. Uh, Like you said, it is very rare that someone's got Every bell and whistle ringing right that relationship is all by the chance sex isn't good. Like that, there is almost always something else going on because of that struggle with the intimacy and the connection. Now, 
if if everything else is going great and wonderful and you would give it like an A plus plus, but when it comes to sex, your partner's not getting you off, you're not reaching orgasm, you're not experienced. I would say for you, what are you doing to add to that? You know your body, you know what feels good. Are they a selfish lover? Are they kind of narcissistic in bed where they're just not giving you the pleasure? They're up, oh, yep. Mm-hmm. They're uh, saying, hey, sure. yeah, like it's all about me all the time. So that's a bigger issue, right? Because it's probably not just in the bedroom that that's happening. And it's happening in other places. So the behavior patterns will prevent you from having a healthy relationship. You can only do 50%. And you're going through the checklist saying, I need someone who's going to show up and do their half. And if they're consistently not doing their half, and one of those halves is listening to my sexual needs, wants, and desires, as well as, you know, consensual, respectful um, experience. If that's not happening, I need to look at that relationship. Have I done everything I could? Did I try? Did I talk to them blue in the face? Did I give them ample opportunity to change? Like, what is your personal checklist? And when you get to that point, you're like, I can't do this. You may have to exit that relationship. Or come see somebody like you, probably. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's another option, too, is to say, am I doing, have I done everything? And like I said, it's I, I, I don't want to say always, but I'm 99.9% sure that there's other things going on besides just that. And a lot of times sex being the issue that's on top is like the, ice, the, the peak of that iceberg sticking out of the ocean. It's all that, you know, what underneath that's causing the problems. Sex is a symptom of the issue in the relationship, not the main issue. So we have to work on root cause. And if it's the sex issue that brings you in the door to do something about yourself, better believe we're going to get down because it goes down to trust. Trust right. is the root issue. And when I talk about trust, it's not just like, oh, I trust that my partner's not going to cheat on me or they're going to go talk to somebody else or do something. It's more of a, the emotional safety and connection that more days than not, I know I'm not going to get emotionally, physically, sexually or physically hurt in this relationship. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that was the answer that I probably already knew. I didn't feel safe with that person. I didn't feel loved that person. And they were super narcissistic out in the world. And it's like, I just accidentally fell in love with someone Mm -hmm. that was like that. And it was like the worst time of my life. Um, But it's like, yeah, it just, everything... It's, it's really interesting to have this conversation to realize that how we show up in our friendships, how we show up in our relationships um, beyond anything intimate is also like really conducive. It's, this, it's really kind of the same thing. It shows you show up in that, in that regard in the same way. So if you notice that you have a hard time keeping friends or you have a hard time you know, being nice to people or you're hanging out with people who aren't nice to you, then like it, it's going to bleed into that intimate uh, relationship that you have as well. So it's just really interesting to think about that kind of crossover that seems really quite obvious, but maybe we're not considering. Well, we don't, right? Because we don't look at our sexual selves as a, a part of our whole self. And where there's six right. part of being a whole person, the first is our relational self, how we connect to relationships. The second is our emotional self, how we regulate and connect with our emotions, with ourselves and others. There's our physical self, which I know is super important you know, of that physical nature of self and body. There's our sexual self, how we view our sexuality, how we show up in the world with our sexual self and that connection. There's our recreational self, the things that we do for fun, hobbies, adventures, leisure. And then there's our career self, what we do that lights us on fire and what we do for a job or what our passion projects are. And we negate that sexual self because we're not um, encouraged to look at that. We're supposed to definitely not talk about it. We're supposed to not show that side of us because what would that say about us? And for most of us, that's that upbringing that we're not encouraged to connect with that. We're told to work hard, 
be a good girl, take care of others, don't say no, say yes, and you show up and do the work and you neglect yourself. And then we want to know why most people are unhappy, resentful, frustrated, and disconnected from their selves. And that's why we don't dial into that sexual self. And we all deserve that. And this has got nothing to do with liking sex or not liking sex. This is about your sexual self as a whole person. Right. Now I want to shift gears a little bit because I'm, I find this really fascinating. I've seen and heard, and I think even read headlines about the younger generation. So like Gen X kids, um, not being as sexually active. And I think this is due to, you know, the giant phone screen that they've always got in front of their faces and, you know, this need and want for everything you know, public facing to be perfect or beautiful or whatever. Um, or just, just really how they're just all dialed into all of the tech around them all of the time. Um, and they're really connecting with other human beings through a phone screen and not connecting as much in person. And what I've read is like, it's leading to an entire generation that's just not as interested in sex at all. And, I just don't know how to react to that or what to think about that or what, I don't know, that's even causing as a ripple effect in just our own, like we, de- as you said, we deserve to do the, like have that, those feelings and, and, and experience that and uh, get to know ourselves in that way. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? And, and I just, I'm curious. Yeah, it, it is. A, it is a big problem because because of the tech, because of how people uh, this this generation is exposed to things. They're learning about these things through all these areas versus the one to one connection to one to one personal. So growing up, I mean, I am in my mid 40s. We didn't have this. So we were out going, going out, hooking up, having experiences, exploring, figuring out ourselves, doing all these things with a lot of freedom. And we didn't have those devices in order to connect and have those kind of soloed, isolating things. So now people are really having to say, like, how am I going to connect with other? They're not having their relationship skills. They're not, there's so much perfectionism and what's wrong with my body. I'm being told or said that I'm not experiencing this orgasm every time I have sex. I'm like, well, most people don't. And so it's a lot of myth busting of what this expectation of selves are. And it's causing a lot of confusion or cause a lot of relationship issues, which is why everyone, regardless, regardless of their age, needs to figure out like what part of me is my sexual self and how does it affect how I show up in those online or offline relationships, which also leads to this, you know, very, very much rise in anxiety and depression, right? There's all this comparison and this pressure to be, and anxiety is really out of the control and no one's really enjoying a connection with yourself physically or sexually if you're highly anxious. So it's going to be really interesting in the next five to 10 years What's going to be happening in our society and our culture due to that? Right. Because as a pa- I just think about all of this. Like, I'm not a parent, but I just think about, you know, I just think about the, like, you're not going to go tell your kid, like, go out there and like, do that or go experience yeah. yourself or you're not going to, you just, parents aren't having those discussions. So yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see like kind of how it all unfolds and how it affects, you know, years to come. Just, I don't know if like, you know, our you know, the amount of children on the earth is going to go down. Like the population is going to go down. Like who knows? Cause it's just so fascinating to me that like, you know, it's like we make these jokes and stuff about how like kids just play video games and then, you know, scroll on their cell phones. And it's like, we didn't have cell phones. We just went outside and played with the other kids on the block. Like that's not happening. Mm -hmm. Those things are just not 
happening. So it's just crazy to think about in an evolutionary way, um, just how it's really just changing and shape the shape of how, how kids and people are going to show up in the world Yeah, and the disconnect. Like, I feel like your office is busy now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I feel like people like you are going to be so needed even more in like, you know, like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when these kids are like, you know, growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's so much because the disconnection, there's going to be more of a focus on sex tech and not having to connect with person to person for that. There's going to be ways to have technology that's going to advance to where I think less and less people will be disconnected or they'll be doing it online. Wow. That's overwhelming (laughs) to me. That feels so, 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 so overwhelming. Um, I don't want to end it there. I feel like I could talk. I, I, as we like kind of got into this conversation, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are like 1 million things I feel like I could ask you. Like, and I, I almost feel like I need another episode to like pull my audience of like what they want to know specifically. Um, and perhaps I should have done that today, but, uh, it's just so interesting. I feel like there's so many different, it's so multifaceted, um, in terms of like our mindset, our relationships, like, and I guess, you know, I think the, one of the last few questions I'll ask you, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with, and you just mentioned it a few moments ago, you know, not, especially for women, it's really hard to reach the peak, the pinnacle, if you will, um, in every session, (laughs) me trying to use technical terms for sex. Um, and, uh, you know, how do you get to that place with your partner? Right. So like, let's say for females specifically without outside stimulation, it's like extremely difficult. Um, is it possible? And, how do you learn how to figure it out? I guess just practice makes perfect. LOL. <laughs> yeah, practice is good. But let's go back to that mind-body connection. And please know, people listen that have trauma and negative experiences. Like I know there's a whole other levels to that. So I do understand that. But it's with the mind-body connection is being able to say, hey, I'm intentionally going into this sex session, right? Where I'm going to give my partner some time. I'm going to give myself some time. It doesn't have to be a whole hour, but I'm going to give a little bit of time where I can relax a little bit, which starts in the mind, which is how do I get into the body? Because the the brain is busy. So it's doing that body scan saying, what am I seeing? What am I smelling? What am I feeling? What am I tasting? What am I hearing? Those five senses to help just relax. So outside of the session, meditation, visualizations, connection with the body, physical movement, intentional physical movement, all of those are great things to practice. So when you're in that session, you kind of go to that place, connect with your body and really figure out what you like without the pressure. If we look at this as a performance, which is, I think, subconsciously, we do a lot of times, we are shutting ourselves down. Like we can't, you know, have, you know, war and peace at the same time. We can't have any, we can't have a good pleasurable session with ourselves and our partner if our brain is firing left and right. So there are things you can do to start quieting that and going to the body and helping really connect. There's, there's so many benefits that can be done outside the bedroom that will help you there too. It shows up in almost every episode I have meditation. Mm-hmm. It shows up in, I swear I can interview people in every single different like arena. And I feel like I interview doctors, athletes, successful people across the board. And it's, 
it always comes back to meditation Mm -hmm. and it is such a secret sauce thing. Like, you know, being able to focus on your breath, right. And the mind is always firing, especially in this day and age, right. When we have so much going on all the time, we have notifications coming at us from every which way and possible angle. It's like, just because your phone is not right in front of you or your computer screen is not right in front of you does not mean that when you cross that line to be intimate with one other person, that your brain is still not firing on all cylinders the way that it is every other hour throughout the day, except for when we're sleeping and sometimes even then. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, we have to cultivate this ability to witness our breath, to witness like what's going on around us. And like you said, really connect to your five senses and just, you know, understand that it's okay if thoughts come to your mind and like it starts firing because you're a human being. Um, and that's normal, but you know, just get practicing coming back to the thoughts, coming back to your breath, coming back to, you know, sorry, your, your present moment, if you will. Um, and just like where you are. So I think, you know, not me being me, not being the sex therapist, but giving advice as well saying like, it's like anything else you got to try to be where your feet are. Yeah, absolutely. And what I like that you do too on the show is really normalize meditation. It doesn't look the same for everybody. And it's not having to sit down in that lotus position. For me, my meditation is that morning walk, me going and not having anything in my ears and just breathing and just being in the moment for those 30 minutes that I don't have to deal with anybody else. For me, that's my meditation. Other times in my life, it looks different, but knowing whatever it is that you can do to connect with that, don't compare it to what somebody else is doing. Make it your own and have confidence in that. Amen. Um, and so I'll ask you one more question because it's a great place to segue. Um, and this does not have to be sex related or it can be whatever you choose. Um, but what is the best piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Mm. Care less about what other people think. Like it doesn't matter if they're not paying the bills, they don't get a say and letting go of that. If, if that was, if I could have accepted that, believed that and known that at that age, life would have been easier. Yep. I love that so much. Well, I so appreciate you being on. This was such an eye-opening, enlightening conversation. And there were definitely parts of it that were hard for me even, um, not even, just hard for me. Um, and so I want to thank you for for being on. And hopefully, you know, we've helped someone out there who feels, you know, trepidatious around this topic as well. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. All right. That is a wrap with Dr. Christie. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this episode. I think for me, and I know I mentioned it in the episode, but I feel like the biggest thing was just the parallels between how we act as you, you know, normal human beings and how we show up in our friendships and our relationships and how those actions and those characteristics that we have in ourselves and that we see also in others they show up. They show up in our intimate relationships. Um, and so, you know, I feel like I have a personal kind of, like I mentioned in the episode, story behind, you know, a past relationship where the relationship itself wasn't healthy. And so, yeah, of course, it showed up in our intimate relationship that it just wasn't great. Um, and so I guess if we want to have better intimacy, heightened intimacy, then it's, actually really about focusing on all of the moments that are outside of the bedroom and the effort that you put into your relationship outside and beyond the bedroom. And then I, those benefits show up within the bedroom. Um, it's also about having sexual self-esteem to ask for what we want and to be able to speak up in what we, you know, like and don't like. 
So interesting episode. I feel like I learned so much. And I think having more of these conversations is really, really helpful to kind of release that stigma and the taboo that's still around talking about our sexual well-being. So interesting. Uh, found it really enlightening. Loved the conversation. And I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope that you are taking something away today and learned something as well. So please follow us on Instagram at Very Best Self. Give me a follow at Victoria Brown and let us know what you think of the episode. Share this with someone who might need to hear it today. Subscribe, leave us five stars, and we love a review. I will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in.